Blog Talk Radio. Grace and Peace, Heart to Heart, encourages women from all stations of life and from every nook and cranny of our world from a biblical perspective. Good morning, everyone. Typically, I say good afternoon or good evening. Uh, In my greeting, normally I am in the Seattle area, but today I am on the opposite side of the country in New England. My favorite state in New England happens to be Connecticut, where I grew up, and that's where I'm broadcasting from today. I apologize for the erratic uh, timing. It's just that because I'm on travel, this is the best time for me. Uh, In the middle of, since I was away from my normal station, however, in the middle of trying to get on this morning, I was directed to uh, create another, uh, create the program from another browser. And so I don't know what that's done. I hope there's not a big lead time in uh, your hearing and my connecting. But at any rate, we are going to move on and look at the jewel that Debbie Lazer has for us today. She begins this section of the book, which is entitled Shattered Vows. She begins this section with the subtitle of How Can I Make Sure That He Deals With His Problem? Now, ladies, we know that many of us, even no matter what our stations in life, we have this this issue of control. So Debbie is sharing, um, at least the way I'm reading this, she's sharing about control. Mark's consequences were so devastating that he was prepared to get help. He readily allowed other men to help him. As I look back today, I see that his willingness to get help was a real gift to me. Uh, For those who may not have heard the reading from the beginning, Mark is Debbie's husband. Unfortunately, not every woman has this experience. While you may have caught your husband with pornography or in an affair, or he may have been found out by someone else, he still might not accept the need to get help. After you have been hurt by his betrayal, you may start demanding that he sees this therapist or go to that meeting. And if he's going once a week, You'd like him to go twice or three times out of your pain and anxiety to get back to some sort of normalcy in your life. You, of course, want to get everything moving more quickly than it is. Believe me, this sense of urgency is common and it is understandable. He, however, creates a danger similar to driving on the highway with someone tailgating you. Surely you've experienced that annoying, demanding situation. 
I don't know about you, but when that happens to me, I want to do one of three things. Step on the pedal and tear away, lower down, and make my tailgater suffer longer. Or slam on my brakes and make him pay. None of my responses gives my tailgater what he wants. Consider whether this sadness or anger is turning you into a tailgater. Are you riding on your husband so much that he can't only make decisions about how he will get out? He makes decisions simply to appease you. Those decisions will only create frustration and anger directed toward you. Not honest, useful reflection about himself and what he's done. The focus gets stuck on the wrong person and can actually delay the process of healing. I can sense your anxiety growing. If you can't bug him along, then what can you do? You don't have to sit back and do nothing. That's our black and white thinking. Either I'm all over him, controlling his every move, or I don't say anything. There are alternatives. You can learn to state your feelings. I'm really hurt, angry about what you've done. And you can ask for what you need. I need for us to find help to work through this. Are you willing? And you can even have consequences. I don't know what I will do. To, I don't know what I will need to do if there is no action. But what I do know is that I can't live with this pain. I'm sure I will be led to the next step. If I don't control him, won't he just do this again? One concern that many women face is how much control to exert over a spouse who has admitted to inappropriate sexual behavior. There are many ways we wives seek to keep tabs on our wandering husbands, checking his phone bills, searching for the computer sites he has visited, driving to his workplace to make sure he is there, removing cable stations with promiscuous content, taking all of the computers out of the house, traveling with him on all of his business trips, not letting him go to the store alone, insisting that he report in every time he returns home regarding what he, whether he has done anything bad today, and watching his eyes to see whether they are gazing inappropriately at other women. As one woman said to me, I need to help him, I need to keep him on a tight leash. If you find yourself wielding some of these controlling behaviors, I want to encourage you to let go of your husband's recovery process. If you will not or cannot give up your role of director of husband security, he will continue to find ways to sneak around your devices. Worst of all, you will look, feel, and sound like his mother, and not his wife. You don't want to be in that role, because it will neither shoelaces 
nor help you build true intimacy with your husband. Occasionally, I've seen men attempt to keep their wives in the role of their mother, a frustrated woman. And in my group reported that her husband willingly confesses to her after everything he does. He looks and feels repentant and free after telling her, just as a little boy might feel after being honest with his mom. But Carol feels furious and justified in creating consequences for him so that he'll learn that his behavior is unacceptable. He, in turn, becomes angry that she wants to punish him. This pattern repeats itself several times every week. Because this system wasn't working to stop his acting out or to create closeness for them, I suggested to Carol that she disengage herself from this dynamic form controlling her husband and acting as her husband's mother. I asked her to have him confess his sexual sin to the men in his support group. They would help him stand accountable for what he was doing. The women in Carol's group would help her deal with the anger or anxiety that arose for her. Accountability is a practical way to sort out who oversees behaviors. Faith men in Mark's group were there to remind him, encourage him, and or confront him about the changes he wanted to make in his life. His first goal was to be sexually pure. Likewise, I had women helping me be accountable for my actions, my words, and choices. When both you and your husband are in so much pain, you can't expect him to have objective, non-charged reactions to the things you say and do. If no one else is hoping each of you make changes, you become that judgmental, critical voice inside your husband's head. In essence, you become the controller. He gets stuck in the role of child feeling as if a parent is ruling his life. Neither of you can find intimate connection in this place. Thinking you can oversee your husband's behaviors by yourself is the greatest mistake you can make. The second biggest mistake is thinking you can single-handedly oversee your own changes. You need other safe women in your life to help you make changes, and your husband needs other safe men. There's another important reason to give up control of your husband's behavior. When other men tend to be accountability partners for your husband, he is empowered to own this journey of growth and purity. If you must control, manipulate, create, fear, or withhold love to get perfect behavior from your husband, then what you do, receive from him, will not be authentic. Only when he chooses to love and honor you will you be able to receive what he gives as genuine love and nurture. 
What is some bottom lines? Bottom lines are behaviors that become deal breakers in your relationship. They are behaviors that you can no longer live with or tolerate in your marriage. They don't always have to be sexual in nature. Many wives I talk with are actually far more hurt by the lies and deception than they are by the infidelity. Stacy's husband had an affair and refused to see a therapist with her. He wanted to convince her that it was over and he would never do it again. Her bottom line was that he'd get professional help to understand what drove him to an affair. Stacy's bottom line was that her husband disclosed all of his acting out behaviors to her. He felt confused and distraught because the whole truth had not been revealed. She needed complete honesty to sort out the reality of her life. Hillary could no longer tolerate her husband's leaving for hours or even days, telling her where he was going. Cheryl's bottom line was that she wouldn't stay with her husband if he had another affair. When you decide to establish a bottom line for your husband, you need to be willing to follow through. You need to know what it is you are going to do. Many times I hear open-ended bottom lines. I won't put up with you watching pornography anymore. I can't stand your lying to me ever again. I won't live with you hawking other women. But there are no consequences. It reminds me of my attempts to be tough as a parent. I could easily talk about what I did or didn't want one of the kids to do, but following through with the consequence was the hard part. They tested my bottom line, and naturally so. It was a challenge to me to get clearer about what I needed and what I would do if my bottom lines weren't respected. Do you sometimes feel your husband is testing your bottom line? You need to be clear about the consequence, and you need to be prepared to follow through. That's where many of us get hooked in some way. You might notice a pattern for yourself. I've always had a hard time following through. Or I'm not good at comfort. Or I don't like to see people in pain. If you want to establish a bottom line, you must be willing to do what you say you are going to do. You need to be aware that bottom lines can promote more lying. If your consequence is that you will leave or divorce your husband, might be so afraid of what will happen that he'll once again cover up, lie about, or deny his hurtful behavior to prevent that outcome, and then the dynamic repeats itself in your relationship, you demand something. He becomes afraid and hides the truth. You become furious that he isn't being honest. He either gets angry or withdraws, and you feel hopeless that the situation will ever change. There are, there are alternatives to the black and white demands of bottom line. The options are more great. You might say, I'm not sure what I'll do when blank, blank happens. I only know that I won't live with the pain it creates for me anymore. 
Gabrielle talked to Philip about her concerns. I have been very angry about the lies you have told me. If you lie again, I will really need to take some time to decide what I'll do. It's very important to me that we can be truthful in our marriage. Unfortunately, Philip did lie again a few months later, and Gabrielle was then faced with a decision. She decided she was not willing to keep working on the marriage unless he joined her in counseling to address the cause of his lying. Trusting in yourself means that if and when your husband's destructive behaviors happen again, you will revisit your feelings and needs and consciously decide what your next step will be. Perhaps you will have more education about something by then or more understanding about your own woundedness and triggers in a certain situation. Being more great allows you to adjust to your journey as you continue to grow and do things differently. And so we've come to the end of our reading for today. Next time, we will look at boundaries. And so till, until then, my friends, I want to thank you yet again. And each time that you join me, or even if you join me one time, I thank you. And so I am going to say goodbye for now. Um, I'm having some difficulty closing out. So... Uh, I'm going to work with that, and um, bye-bye. Take care.